It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sorry we're a day late again. Hopefully uh, that'll be the, the last time for a while. I know you like a routine. Um, family reasons, which I'm not just using as a catch-all excuse. Genuine family reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it is a good catch-all excuse. <laughs> hey, somebody um, somebody cancelled a meeting on me recently by saying they're going to be on jury duty. Oh, do I believe them or not? Well, that is an extremely elaborate lie if it's made up because you're going to ask next time you see them, what was it about, blah, 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 and they're going to have to have a whole backstory planned. It's a very elaborate yes, lie. Yes, but are they? Because, of course, you could just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not really allowed to talk about it. Oh, yes. I hadn't thought of that. Which I'm sure, actually, if you're discharged from jury duty, you probably are allowed to talk about it, but... Have you tried ringing around local courthouses? Because that's what I'd be doing, just to double check. Asking for a list of jurors. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you do that? That's I what I would do. I don't know a juror's name, because couldn't you then um, tamper with the jurors? Uh, maybe, yeah. God, it, re- it is a really good excuse if it's a made-up one. Yeah, I wouldn't want to get accused of attempted juror tampering. No, 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 who would? Hmm. Have you ever been on jury duty? I'm no, sure you haven't. Never no, been either. asked, no. But Tom's been asked twice. And has he wheedled his way out of it? No, I think he did it. I think he quite enjoyed it. Oh, when it. you say he's been asked twice, it sounded like he'd, he'd, he'd wormed his way out of it. No, I think oh, the first time he did it and the second he enjoyed it and the second time he didn't do it for whatever reason. And you sure? How, how long was he gone for? Oh, I think maybe like about a month or something. I think it was and quite a long sure time. you sure it wasn't the short-term affair? <laughs> no, this was before I met him. But once again, that'd be a oh, good okay. excuse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, how interesting. I don't think a jury is a good environment for a drifter. Mm, what wouldn't that bit when you have to debate afterwards? Mm, yeah. Mm, sort of 12 angry men bit. Yeah. yeah, having to sort of give your opinion and just wanting to agree with everyone else. No, it's not oh, ideal. Oh, God, no. having to speak up. Them going around a room and saying, okay, so what do you think? <gasps> That's terrifying. As it would be for me if somebody was very loud mm. and I didn't agree with them. Mm. But they, they sort of had... Uh, a loud, abrasive personality, I think I would just go along with it. Yeah, you'd have to, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I genuinely think I could send a man to the chair if no. one of the other jurors had a domineering enough personality. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I hope you never called up. <laughs> I hope not either. Um, anyway, um, here we are. We're doing it remotely again, and this isn't pandemic-related. Nobody's been pinged. It's because the loft in my house is such a tip at the minute, Annabelle, mm. that you wouldn't be able to get into your position. Yeah, that, and, I asked, you, you did say this earlier, but I didn't ask why. What like, You're going to tell why it's such and so bad? Or I decided a few weeks ago that I was going to manage some of my feelings by sorting out the loft of my house and getting everything out of the Eve storage and doing like a huge clear out and, and getting rid of boxes and boxes of stuff. Okay. So okay. I got everything out, I mm. piled it up, Mm. And here we are several weeks later. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. It turns out whatever was going on with me anxiety-wise was temporarily sated by pulling boxes out of the storage. Yes. But the actual work of uh, of, of sorting through that stuff mm. isn't serving the same function. How is how's your wife feeling about the situation? I'd, I'd, I'd rather not say. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's not get into it. Move on. Move yeah. on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She has listened to this podcast. Surprisingly, she has listened to it a couple of times recently. Oh, really? So I've just got to watch it a little okay. bit with uh, with the airing of the grievances, Mm-mm. the marital grievances. Right. Okay. Fine. Mm. Also, because you can't see me because we are remote, that means you can't see my new haircut. You've had a haircut? Yes, went to the barber. So I've said before, I am currently uh, playing the field hair-wise. What does that mean? It means I'm not going steady with one hairdresser. Uh, Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So I've got my friend Michael who does it as and when he can, but he's a very busy, successful man. Um, So I can't always get hold of him when I'd like to see him, in which case I just go into the local barbers and get it cut by whoever's free when I can get an appointment. This week, it was somebody who is, I, I think, very nice, but also a bit what you might describe as rough and ready. Okay. No disrespect to the rough and ready. Mm. I, uh, I, I know many of the rough and ready. Right. And, okay. yeah, I don't even like boiling the rough and ready down to just those two attributes. No, of course not. No one is just rough and ready, are they? No, There's always no. more to someone, yeah. No, may- maybe to some people I would be both rough and ready. I think I don't identify as either rough or necessarily ready. <laughs> I have immediate family members who would seem both rough and ready, but the many things otherwise. But yeah. just just as a shorthand here, mm. we're going to go with rough and ready. Um, so I booked the appointment for two o'clock. After which I had arranged to meet a friend at three o'clock for mm-hmm. a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, is that cutting it too fine when the the cafe I was meeting my friend is a five minute walk from the barber? No, because you don't have a like a full luxurious head of hair. You know, this is it's not going to take that long to cut your hair. Surely I would probably I would say probably half an hour, I would guess. Anyway. And it's very much a barber's. It's not a salon. They're not washing your hair or anything like this that. is. Yeah, this is for me. That is hard. You've given yourself plenty of time. Right. Plenty. Oh my god! This 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 guy like he kept stopping to change the music, look at his phone. Oh. If walk-in customers came in, he'd go and have a chat with them. Oh. He was bantering with the other barbers. At one point, he started um, dancing and singing. Oh no, no! 
as well as when he would again engage me in conversation, he would often then just stop snipping. No, to answer or to listen. No, yeah. no, no. You do not want that. You have to keep cutting the hair. And it's just the worst feeling because, number one, trying to judge how long he's going to be away for on one of his uh, little activities like looking at his phone so that I can surreptitiously uh, text my friend and say I might be five minutes late or ten minutes late um, without him seeing me say oh, it's because the barber's uh, uh, easily distracted. Wow. And did so you feel able want... to say at any point, oh, I've got an appointment at three, so do no, you... of course not. Could you get, <laughs> could you get me ready no. by then? No. No. Okay, no. okay, okay. No. Okay, okay. So I didn't want to seem... Because he was such a, a kind of bantery guy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to harsh his... Uh, <laughs> well, not his mellow, I suppose, but no. whatever was going on, I didn't want to seem like the uptight guy. And you couldn't do it in a bantery way. The uptight way. square... <laughs> No, 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 I like I like the bant I like the bants. Yeah, I don't yeah. have those skills. No. But it did occur to me that it is one of the only situations where you're genuinely trapped. Yeah, you are. You really are. So, say you're in a restaurant and your pudding's taking a long time. You can say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'll skip the pudding. Can I just get the bill, please?" If they're taking a long time to bring you the bill, you go and find them. Almost any other situation, you you can bail early. Mm. But you can't bail mid haircut. You were you were no. completely at their whim. And it's like he knew that. <laughs> oh, it was awful. So what how long were you there for then? What time did you get out? I was five minutes late, so it took an hour start to finish. That is so long. I know. That is so long. I know. That's I like know. that's like cut that's like wash, cut, a very, very long cut, the longest cut I've ever had, followed by blow dry. That's an hour. Wow. <laughs> And and the way, because I get a beard trim as well, the way he was going about the beard trim, have you ever seen those Sikh gentlemen with the very sort of manicured moustaches mm. who enter competitions? Yes, it was yes. like he was doing that kind of moustache. I mean, in, in some ways I thought, is this an artist at work? But mm. it's a barber's where you go in. It doesn't matter who you get. You, you go in uh, looking one way and everybody comes out with the exact same haircut. Wow. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, the other thing, weird thing that happened um, while I was getting my hair cut is, you know, he's asking me this and that, and he asked me about my son and says, what's he into? He says, he's really into, I say, he's really into uh, Spider-Man, this, uh, this new Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and he asks me what that is, and I explain. He says, oh, I'm not into uh, to superhero movies. I said, me either, really. Um, I think maybe just when I was growing up, I just missed... I think even a year or two either way, you can miss a phase where superheroes are a big thing because it goes in waves and I just missed out on superheroes and I've never really watched any of these films. He went, oh, no, no, that's not it with me. It's just, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's violence in these films. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if, uh, if I'm watching violence, uh, I want to see someone get really effed up. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So it's too tame for him. Right. Wow. Yes. Yeah. What did you say to that? Oh, you're like, oh, yeah, me too. Well, I don't again, I refer you to what my personality would be like on a jury. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. I don't see what he means. I don't want the violence on screen to look realistic so I can imagine it is actually happening to somebody. No. <laughs> but I'm very feeble. I think I'm very, very feeble-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, just that feeble-mindedness, and we'll move on in a second. Um I was walking down the the street the other day and my son got talking to these two kids who were playing with Star Wars lightsabers. 
Um, I'll talk a bit more about Star Wars maybe later if I get the time. There's a reason for this. Um, so we start talking to these two kids, one of whom is five and the other one is an older brother who I would guess at either seven or eight. This kid was so charismatic and talked to me. Do you, do you ever meet somebody who, I don't know if they work in sales and they've done that NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and they're really confident and mm -mm. they've got a great handshake and all that stuff. Mm. This kid just had all that to him. Oh, really? And within about three minutes of conversation, he said to me, listen, I'm going to recommend a film to you. <laughs> Have you seen Thor Ragnarok? I said, I haven't. He said, I'm telling you, you are really going to like that film. You, you're you're going to love it. You should watch that. I guarantee you're going to love it. And um, long story short, I came home and I've downloaded it onto my computer and I'm going to watch it because this eight-year-old kid who doesn't know me was so confident in his recommendation and made me feel so seen when he said, you are going to love it. He must have done NLP at school or something. I know, it's so That's weird. incredible. Anyway, I hope there's some proper violence in it because I, uh, I really like to see people get really effed up. <laughs> right, Annabelle, shall we uh, hear what the drifters have been writing in with this week? Yes, first one is from Mike Bosley, former registered general nurse, Abergavenny. There's a preface to this. He says, even mm. though this happened 30 years ago, I have changed the names and the diagnoses. Okay, to the story. I had quite a few awkward moments when I was a student nurse in London many years ago. One that I still squirm about happened when I was still in my first year and doing a placement on a psychiatric day unit. The unit was in a small building adjoining the main hospital. Here, people who had been recently discharged as inpatients could spend a few hours each day building up their confidence with activities like painting and crafts and regaining everyday skills so they could live happily at home again. I was looking forward to the placement, not least because staff were encouraged to wear their everyday clothes instead of the vol voluminous white tunics we wore on the wards. On day one, I duly arrived with my favourite King's Road t-shirt and torn jeans. I sat down with the first patients to arrive and soon got to know them. Sheila had severe social anxiety and OCD and continually picked imaginary threads from her clothes and furniture. Brian was recovering from an intense bout of mania and enjoyed chatting about his passion for Fulham United. Susie had a long history of depression but was brilliant at sewing and embroidery and helped us all learn some of her skills. Over the weeks, I grew to like them all and enjoyed helping them let go of some of their anxieties and engage in longer and more spontaneous conversation. But eventually, it was time for me to move on to my next placement. As we were closing up on my last day, I announced to everyone that I would be leaving and said how much I'd enjoyed spending time on the day unit. Susie smiled and said, It's been really good getting to know you too, Mike. I'm sure you'll do very well. Brian added, It won't be the same without you, mate, but good luck. Then Sheila said, you've come on so much. When you first came, I thought, well, you looked in a bit of a state, to be honest. But look at you now. You've made so much progress. It dawned on me. I'd spent the last four weeks amongst people who hadn't realised I was a member of the nursing <laughs> staff, but took me for another patient. Now, I had no problem with this in itself, but was it too late to correct them now? I must have looked a bit awkward because Helen, the staff nurse, shot me a look and raised her eyebrows as if to say, well, aren't you going to tell them? 
With every face turned towards me, I did a panicky mental calculation. If I didn't tell them the truth now, it would be far worse than a misunderstanding. It would be a deliberate lie. Maybe I'd even be breaking some sort of code of nursing ethics. But if I did tell them, it would make them feel like fools or worse. They might think I'd been deliberately deceiving them the whole time. Either way, they'd hate me. And they've been so sweet to me. So I panicked. I stuttered something like, oh, th- th- uh, thanks. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll all get on fine without me. I was blushing deeply now. Marlene, a schizophrenic, said in a kindly voice, oh, I know it's hard, love, but if things get bad, you can always come back. And Susie said, yeah, do you live local? I broke into a full sweat. I actually lived in the nurse's house, not 200 yards away. But I couldn't say that now, could I? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, you just, just, just around the corner. At that point, Helen broke in. Okay, everybody out now. I'm closing up. I went to the door to hold it open for everyone. As I did so, Brian came close and said in a low voice, don't listen to them doctors, mate. You're going to be just fine. Then reached up and squeezed my shoulder. Half an hour later, as I headed out and towards the nurse's home, I wondered how on earth I was going to avoid seeing anyone involved in the day hospital for the next two and a half years. (laughs) Wow. Is that to be continued? No, no, that's the end of it. Oh, I don't know what happened next. That's extraordinary. I think on one hand, it reflects really well mm, mm. on your nursing abilities. Yes, yes, doesn't it? Because yeah. you're really on a level. Yes. On the other hand, there is, there is something... I don't know. I don't know if it... It's like an inability to be an alpha in a group or something. <laughs> Which I think is probably good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's extraordinary. So yeah. yes, did I mean? Did you ever see it? Did, was there any ever a double take from any of them? I think. Hang on a minute. Yeah, I think we need a follow up, don't we? Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and this last one is from Ritu. Your old employer's breakfast show was doing a charity comedy night and I knew one of my oldest friends, not a drifter, as will become apparent, was a fan of most of the performers, as was I. So I got in touch and at their suggestion to make a night of it, I duly booked two tickets and a restaurant we used to love in the old days when we were both a bit more central and I was a bit more sociable. The week before, I got a message from my friends saying they can't make it, but not to worry, they have arranged for a friend to take their ticket. A friend that I don't know. Oh. So rather than having a catch up, one of the few people in the world I'm almost comfortable with, I've now got the dread of spending an entire evening with someone I don't know. What? Who would do that to a friend? <laughs> it's insane. I probably could have coped with watching a show as no real interaction is needed, but drinks and dinner beforehand, no way. As mentioned, this friend isn't a drifter, so didn't see the problem. But I'm assuming you and my fellow listeners will understand why. Two days later, I told my friend that I unfortunately had to pull out due to family stuff. And would their friend like to take someone else like any reasonable person would do? So I ended up missing a show I really would have liked to see. But my only regret is that I'm sure I would have had a much more horrific story for you today had I have gone. I can't believe that anybody would do that, drifter or not. I know, it's absolutely like sending a total stranger to go out for dinner with you. The, like the show, I can almost understand it because you don't have to talk to each other. I can't understand it, but almost. But the dinner and the drinks, I mean, that's just cruelty, isn't it? Yeah, it's like sending somebody on, on an unwilling blind date. Yes, yes, terrible, terrible. Wow, that is extraordinary. I wonder if we were to... to um 
I wonder if there's a podcast out there which is like for the opposite of drifters. <laughs> or people who that would be, yeah, great. Oh, I can't wait to meet your friend and go for dinner with them. <laughs> I'm just trying to think what podcast that would be. Uh... Where people were so extroverted, they're like, yeah, new person, bring it on. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a good... This could be the beginning of a beautiful <laughs> yeah. friendship. Wow, yeah, yeah. That's extraordinary. Wow. Um, oh, I feel like we, we, we could ask for stories in that vein um having a, a close friend who is an anti-drifter uh, which i don't mean they're against us but so extroverted they they can't understand how you mm. think and then what that has uh, potentially led to perhaps yes. i don't know yeah that could be good yeah yeah um so uh, please send us uh, send us your stories uh, it's so good uh it's hello at adriftpodcast.com <laughs> Annabelle. Yes. I'm ready for another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. Okay. So I think if you were drawing a reaction to the pandemic line, and if at number 10, it was someone who never wore a mask and went clubbing every night and rummaged through bins to find COVID swab sticks to suck. And at number one, it was someone who hadn't left their bedroom in 18 months. I'd be somewhere around number two. I think we can all agree that I am very much at that end. I'm ultra cautious. I'm scared of getting it again. I'm scared of passing it on. And I am beyond terrified of my son getting it and not being able to go back to preschool next week after a very long six-week break. So I've been careful. But last Saturday, I decided to throw caution to the wind and take public transport, which I generally avoid. And it's because Tom, it was like the fifth weekend in a row that Tom was either away or working and I was losing my mind a bit and my sister had divided me and my son round, but we didn't have the car. But I know that like my son loves trains and I know the journey is just an underground train and then an overground train. It's about 40 minutes in total and it's going to be on a Saturday afternoon. So it's not like I'm using one at 8am on a Sunday mo- on a Monday morning rather. It's like it's not going to be too busy. So the first bit, the tube train was fine. And then because I'm so out of practice of catching trains, I missed missed the next one by 30 seconds. And there was another in 15 minutes, but that involved a change onto another train. And I could have waited 30 minutes for the next direct train. But seeing as my son can't do anything for more than 30 seconds, I figured that 15 minute wait was going to be more than enough. And he was actually fine on this 15 minute wait because he kept himself very busy by saying, is it here yet? Every three seconds. (laughs) And I kept myself busy with increasing panic about the number of people arriving on the platform, which I was surprised by. They were all coming in these large, rowdy gangs. And they were what I can only describe as young people. They all looked exactly the same. The men were in jeans and T-shirt. The girls were in these tiny, tight, short dresses with bits of it cut out around the tummy. Like they all had this exactly the same dress, but in a variety of colours and patterns. And it's a dress that I thought only people wore when they were appearing on Love Island. I genuinely had no idea <laughs> it was ever worn in real life. And they all wore this dress with either black chunky boots, often Doc Martens, or white trainers. And I'm not being rude about them in any way. They all looked amazing. Oh, and they also all had carrier bags with tins of those pre-mixed drinks you can get, alcoholic drinks. And I could hear... To complement the look. Exactly. I could hear from snippets of overheard conversation that they all were headed towards a festival. And there was also a man going round to each group selling drugs. And I am still bewildered as to why he left me out. Like, I feel it must have been some (laughs) kind of operational error that he didn't see me and my three-year-old and my son's bike. 
Anyway, I'm feeling. What, what did you overhear him saying? How was he? How what was his pitch? I, I heard him go up to one group and say, "Do you want any?" And then I couldn't hear what it was. It was like, "Do you want any K or something? Do you want any uh, K? Okay. Something like that." Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm feeling. I was hoping you'd have learnt some uh, some more of the street slang than that. Absolutely not. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I know K, and I think I know meow, meow, and that's as far as it goes. I thought meow, meow was like made up by the newspapers ten years ago, and. And it wasn't really. No, that was real, wasn't it? No, no. Well, I think there was there was something that was illegal high then wasn't called meow meow, but I don't. Uh, uh, that was that thing, but I don't think anybody in real life, apart from the newspaper, called it meow meow. Oh, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> but I could be wrong. No, no. But good memory of a, a Daily Mail um, drug, <laughs> uh, drug hysteria from ten years ago. Thank you very much. Thank you. So anyway, I'm feeling I'm feeling worried about the train. But actually, you know what? The train wasn't that bad. We both got a seat. It wasn't that rammed at all. And I knew we were soon getting off and changing trains. And then we'd be getting away from all these festival goers. So we did get off, as did all the festival goers. And I saw straight away they'd closed the usual route to change trains. Like you should be able to go up an escalator and over the bridge to the other platform. But that was closed. And my only route, unless I climbed over the tracks, was to head for the exit. So I did, as did all the festival goes. And then instead of going out the barriers, there was a route to the side that seemed to be headed towards the platform I needed. So I followed that, as did all the festival goers. And then I realised I was actually being filtered off into what I can only describe as a pen, a pen of young people. Were you being kettled? I was, I was, I actually was. And I worked out. But the platforms and the trains were so busy with all these festival goers, they were having to regulate the amount of people and I'd somehow got caught up in it. And my son and I were now trapped in a pen with these young people all pushed up against each other. And I really was, in a far more literal sense, a sheeple. Or rather, because I was so incongruous, I was like a cowpool in a pen of sheeple. <laughs> and it took me a while to come to my senses and think, I've got a three-year-old with me. I'm at least, at least 25 years older than everyone around me. I'm not a girl in a slinky dress who's just bought some K or Meow Meow or whatever drugs are called these days. (laughs) And I'm going to miss the train I need and be stuck here forever if I don't act. So I had to push me and my son and my son's bike to the front of the pen, which was not easy, where there's a man... He takes one look at me and then he opens the gate to the platform for us, which was a little bit insulted by. I was hoping to have to explain that I was going to my sister's and not to the festival. But he somehow just knew by looking at me. So I just just made the train, honestly, with seconds to spare. And it wasn't too bad on this train. And this is not the end of the story, but it's gone a long time. So I'm going to summarise the end on the way home. I got caught up in a huge crowd of football fans leaving the West Ham Stadium. What? I know. And I was rammed in a tunnel with them for a while. And then I had to get on this extremely packed and rowdy tube. And one of these football fans had to not only give up his seat for me and my son, but he also had to hold my son's bike upright against himself for four stops because there wasn't enough room for it. And then he had to carry it off the train and onto the platform for me, even though he wasn't getting off. This is what happens when I throw caution to the wind. It's like that man's dad's ashes last week. It just flies back into my face. (laughs) Anyway, I think I've survived it. I'll give it a few more days to check I'm not ill. Then I'm going to go straight to number 10 and just start clubbing every night. I might as well. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Let me, let me just rattle through a, a few things here. Okay. Uh, some of them have a, a slight quandary element to them as we uh, warm up for Quandary Corner. Mm-hmm. Thing number one, I went to a restaurant on Friday night with Sarah, my wife, mm-hmm. and uh, and our friends Nick and Catherine, mm-hmm. who you know. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were the last people we went out with before the pandemic, weren't we, when we went to see yes. Mamma Mia the party? Yeah, what a way to go out, hey? <laughs> And here we are, by the time people hear this podcast, possibly, although uh, maybe not quite, ABBA will have announced their new venture. You know that's happening tomorrow, No, Thursday. I don't know anything about this. Annabelle? What's going on? Um, you know, ABBA have been threatening to release new music for a couple of years now. Right. So I think they're going to either reveal that tomorrow or, or say when you'll be able to hear it. New music? Oh, do you not remember I got embroiled in it? I interviewed yeah, Bjorn. Yeah, anyway. I mean, honestly, there's been all this press coverage about ABBA uh, about to release new music. And if you scroll down far enough, my name is in most of the articles. Oh, really? It says, last year, Bjorn Olveas said to journalist Jeff Lloyd, which, I mean, it's astonishing that people are referring to me as a journalist. <laughs> and that, that. This was just a, a, a slightly mangled conversation that I had with Ed on the other podcast. That is being reported as fact. Anyway, really right, yeah. that, that aside, um, it looks like, and this, this will be confirmed, I, I guess, tomorrow, they've built a purpose-built theatre in East London, in Stratford. What? Which is going to be called, I think, maybe like Abba Voyage or something like <gasps> that. And it's, I think it's 3,000 capacity. And it's going to be this show with live musicians and holograms of ABBA in their <gasps> prime. So it'd be like going to an ABBA concert. Oh, that sounds amazing. But it'll be on every night. I know, I know. Oh, we definitely And there's going to gonna go. be new songs. Oh, amazing. Oh, new songs, not so keen on. But anyway, that sounds amazing. No, they might be great. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. They probably will be great. They probably They're will. not taken away from the old songs. No, no, no. Just because Free as a Bird and Real Love don't quite sit up there with the best of the Beatles uh, canon from the 60s. I don't, I don't mind the fact that they popped up in the 90s and mm, yeah. I can listen to them if the mood takes me. It doesn't, okay, doesn't okay. ruin the rest of it, does it? I take it back. I'm looking forward maybe to it'll the be, Maybe it'll be good. I think Benny and Bjorn know what they're doing. I'm they? sure they do. They've got years of experience, yeah. And Agneta mm. and Anna Freed, but Benny and Bjorn write, write the songs, of course. Um, I wasn't being sexist. Now I know. Anyway, and I'm sure Anna Freed and Agneta wouldn't have said yes. True. If uh, if it wasn't good, because they've said no to, I, th- I read one report saying they've said no to a billion. A what? I'd never a say bill, no a to a billion. Bill. Never well, they have no. to reform. You know, so anyway, um, God, I, I didn't even mean to, mean to go on about Abba now. I've <laughs> spent two minutes going on about Abba and how excited I am about that. Anyway, so we go out with Nick and Catherine on Friday night. At some point, I see a couple come in uh, and they've got masks on as they move through the restaurant. 
but the the guy's face definitely rings some kind of bell with me and then he sits next to me but literally sort of half a meter away so i can't turn around and look him in the face i then see the faces of nick and Catherine sat opposite and i realize there's something going on it's only at the end of the evening when we leave and we're standing outside waiting for our taxis that i'm told it was tom hiddleston Oh, really? But he was too close to me to be able to get a a good look at him. And they couldn't communicate to me that I was sitting next to him because he would have heard. Oh, how annoying. I know. You didn't get to gawp. No. How frustrating. So I can't even tell you, because as far as I was concerned, it was just some bloke sat next to me. So I wasn't paying careful attention to how frequently he took a sip from his water glass, whether there was any food left on the plate, and any of these things, really, whether there were lulls in conversation, what was talked about. Mm. Usually I would completely opt out of whatever social occasion I was at to be able to report this stuff back to you and the listeners. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to. Well, that's a great shame. A great shame. Very disappointing. It's a very underwhelming story. That's not go anywhere. Well, it? it was exciting, you know, that he was there. But yeah, disappointed that you didn't. Like when he went to the toilet, he didn't take a sip of his drink. Like, I didn't go to. The, I didn't go to the toilet in the oh, time he was there. Oh. I mean, was that? Which is weird with me and my weak bladder. But <laughs> Nick is of a similar uh, is of a similar vintage to to me. We were talking a lot about how the aging process does funny things to your bladder. I mean, most notably, like a, a, a great facet of of human existence to me has always been that your brain thinks okay start urinating now and then urine starts coming out of your body don't you think that's just an amazing thing that Mm. your brain thinks something then something starts flowing yeah never thought about it like that. there's no physical tap turned on Mm. or anything so so that's always incredible but what i've noticed with age and it's the first time i've been able to verbalize it and felt comfortable discussing it with someone someone of a similar age in the last few years the gap the lag between me thinking that and it starting is lengthening, I would say, exponentially. Really? Mm. <clears throat> See, I don't so it to. was like, mm. um, you know, on Eurovision, if they go to a, a country like really high tech, like Norway or Sweden, where they've got really good satellite connections, mm. the, the conversation is completely live. It's like they're in the same room when they're collecting the results from the juries. Mm. But maybe if they go somewhere which, which uh, you know, was, was behind what they used to call the Iron Curtain at some point and the technology hasn't quite caught up, mm. there's a bit of a lag after everything they say. Mm. That's what's going on with the, the command from my brain and the urination starting. How long is the lag? Well, I mean, it's like talking to somebody on Jupiter at this point. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry anyway. to hear this. Anyway. Also, sorry um, to any, anyone young who's listening who's just been hearing us talk about ABBA and middle-aged bladder problems. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about something young next? Oh, I remember buying a piano off an old man when I was 20 in, in, in loot. Remember loot? Yes. The newspaper there? <laughs> uh, and going with my friend to pick up this piano in, in a van. And for some reason, this old guy came with it. I can't even remember. But anyway, I remember this guy going on about his, his prostate and his bladder and, and something and just not taking it and thinking, oh, that'll never happen to me. You're so ancient. I'm sure I will have died by then. And, and yet here I am on a podcast doing exactly the same thing. Um, oh, God. I'm really rambling on and... Uh, I don't want it to be one of these episodes that goes 
like an hour and 15 minutes or something. So I'm just wondering if maybe I will hold. Okay. I've got a story I'm going to hold over till next week that I want to talk about. Okay. Okay. Yep. Before I do that, mm-hmm. um, thing number one, I took my son to an outdoor screening in Trafalgar Square in London of Star Wars on Saturday night. Okay. Is it his first time he's watched the film? Yeah, and I kind of figured I was either like nearly five or just over five when when I saw it. Um, I've tried to get him interested in bits before now, but I do think it would be a bit like my dad trying to get me interested in an old war film or something because it does feel slow Mm. by comparison. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of what he calls grown-ups talking. Right, yeah. But part of me just thinks, well, if I could I could hack it when I was five, mm. it's not my fault that your attention span isn't what mine is. I'm going to try and force it <laughs> so that you like the same things as I did. <laughs> anyway, he's been going around telling people it was amazing, but I think he's, I think he's lying and I think he's trying to protect my feelings, is, oh. is the headline. Okay. But, um, but before the film started, they were showing on the screen photographs of people. It's this big event they've got going on in London at the moment, which is called Let's Do London and back to the big screen. So they were showing pictures of people who'd taken their picture at one of these screenings and used those hashtags. Right. Eugene then clocks what's going on and says, Dad, I want my picture on the big screen. I say, oh, no, uh, these are people who were here earlier today watching a different film. He goes... No, they're not. See that person. There they are behind us. Sure enough, he's right. Oh, right. So I realise what is happening is people are posting to Instagram and then it's ending up straight on the big screen. Ah. So he's saying, please, can I have my picture on the screen? I said, Gene, it's, these people are uploading them to the internet. He said, can't you upload me to the internet? Now, straight away, I have a dilemma mm. because I, um, I've got a private Facebook, mm-hmm. which is really friends, family, and people I've met in real life who I feel that if I didn't accept their friend request, they would think I was being hoity-toity. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. I will occasionally post pictures of Jean on that if I think I've got a really cute one. I want to get a dopamine hit from people <laughs> liking uh, pictures of my son or, or making nice comments underneath. Mm-hmm. I know it's not great, but I will do that occasionally. Mm-hmm. What I don't do is put him on Twitter or put him on Facebook or Instagram that I use for the for the podcast or for radio work or, or anything like that. that mm-hmm. That's like a little line I've got in my head. Mm-hmm. Am I right in thinking it's similar for you? Uh, yes. I don't, I don't even have any particular reasons for it. I just don't do it. Yeah. No, I don't even know what my reasons are, but it, it just feels like an invasion of his privacy or something. Yeah. Sarah's got no qualms about it. I mean, like, why I even bother? I, mean, I don't <laughs> think she's got no qualms. She's got some qualms, but still, you know, she's just constantly mining for content the whole time. And if he happens to be in it, then so so, so be it. It's her mm. attitude. Mm-hmm. But I try not to cross that line. So, what would you do in the situation that your kid is mithering? Lie, to be put up lie, lie, and lie again. What? Would, okay, help me, help me through this. What would, they what wouldn't would be good lies, say? but it'd just be things like, "Oh, my, my internet's not. I can't do it because my internet's not working at the moment." Because he, he's too young to understand that's a lie. Mm. I, I don't. I don't, ha- I don't have that app. I don't, I, I just say endless lies that you just wouldn't quite understand. So I think you've got. Firstly, I think you've probably got a higher tolerance for whining than I. <laughs> I don't know about that. And then. Uh, Secondly, I think you're you're more creative with with lying than I am. 
Well, I also don't think about that considering the ones I just came up with. So what, what did you do then? And then thirdly, I think, well, it's the, I have this thing whereby I certainly don't give him anything, everything he wants and uh, as I say no to plenty of stuff. But if I feel that he thinks something would be magical and it will make his childhood in some way <laughs> magical, I find it extremely difficult to say, hello, uh, say, um, say, say no to. Right, yeah. So yeah, I took a picture of him. Used the hashtag. It was up in the screen. Up on the screen. Oh, you did within it! One minute. You're joking. He completely freaked freaked out. He loved it, and then mithered me to do another one, which I then did five minutes later. Um, and people cheered when the second one went up because the first one had made made an impression. No. And then I deleted them <gasps> as soon as the film started. That's a good idea to delete them. Which was hard to do because they'd already had like seventy or eighty likes by that point. Each. Oh yeah, that was very hard to do. Yeah, you and could it's have got really difficult. It's really difficult to dispose of a like mm-hmm. or of a comment. And did he absolutely love? What happened when everyone cheered the second time around? Like, how did oh, well, he feel? Oh well, no. That, then something even worse happened. Oh no! What? Which is there was somebody. I think I don't know if in America at sports events they call them jumbo trums, but basically there was a cameraman with a with an actual camera there, mm. and every now and again it would cut to a live shot of the crowd and everybody would wave. So after this second picture and the reaction it got, um, the cameraman came and found Gene and put <gasps> like live footage of him. And then oh my God. Like, he was going nuts for that. And I'm really worried that it's going to make him want to be a performer of some kind. Absolutely. He's going to be want to be a star. That's not good, though, is it? No. <laughs> Out of all the stars you can think of, how many of them really seem functional? I can't believe all this happened. It's so exciting. It's probably the closest I've got to fame in a long time. Like, it's thrilling. <laughs> Like I think if something like that had happened in my childhood, that would be the 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 one thing I remember from from my childhood. Whereas now these things just are so ten a penny to them. Oh really? No, this is special. This is no, this is special. Surely the whole crowd cheering, a a camera coming, putting live footage on you. Like it's incredible. He he was he was wearing like this weird headband. He he decided. I don't. Now I'm rambling on about my kid, but he (laughs) he decided that day he wanted to be a bandana guy. Right. So we'd been out and bought this elasticated headband from Claire's Accessories, and you know, and he's got all this curly hair. He anyway. Anyway. Wow. Do you think I've created a monster? I don't, I don't think you've created a hero. Do you think I'll be able to make money off that monster? Yes, yes, that's the most important thing. I want to be like Britney thing. Spears' dad. <laughs> yeah. All right, Swandry Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Annabelle, who is the first one from? Sarah. And what does Sarah say? As I get a lot of parcels delivered, I'm on first name terms with my regular postie, managing as much mediocre small talk as my social ineptitude will allow. When the Royal Mail first started their collection service, I was pleased to have a new topic to open a conversation. It turned out that he was not a fan. Under the new scheme, he would have to drive to a neighbouring town just to drop off any parcels he'd been given rather than going straight home after delivering his final letter. I made a mental note never to use the collection service as I didn't want to inconvenience him. This week, I made an online purchase that needed to be returned. I was horrified to find that the only option available was Royal Mail. As I live in a rural area, a trip to the post office means taking time off work due to their opening hours and driving several miles. There is invariably a queue of at least 20 minutes and if the staff aren't completely ignoring my presence, then they are talking to me with a level of rudeness that would be appropriate if I just pulled down my trousers and defecated on the floor in front of them. What do I do? 
Do I use the service, hand over the parcel and pretend that I don't remember our conversation? It is part of his job after all. And maybe he would have collected other parcels that day. So I won't have caused him any extra inconvenience at all. Do I apologetically hand it over and explain my predicament? Taking time off work isn't really an option at the moment. So do I just have to bin the parcel, which is about worth about three weeks of food shopping, just to avoid this inevitable interaction with my postman? Well, I've had an idea straight away. Go on. Could you say to him next time he's there, say, listen, I know you hate this. I've got a parcel that needs returning. This is the only way I can do it. But why don't you let me know a day that's good for you when, you, when you've got to go to the office anyway? That's a good this is what this is, this is what I was going to say. Make it a collaboration. Yes, yes. Instead of him just turning up and then he's got to do this thing. You know, the next time you see him, you, you, you make it a conversation. Ask him what his preferred way of doing it would, would be. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the best day for you? Do you want to wait until you've got, knock on yeah, the door yeah, the day that yeah. someone else has given you one. You've got to yeah. go there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I would do it. Because you'd, you'd already, I'd, I'd, I'd thought about not returning the parcel and just swallowing mm. the uh, swallowing the cost, which you, it's, it sounds a bit too expensive. Yeah. And I thought about taking the time off work. Yeah. And I think you, you can't, can't just really pretend. You, well, you could just pretend you don't remember the conversation and just feel terrible inside. But I think it sounds like, no. it sounds like you're on good terms with him. And I think yeah. you could get away with saying, yeah. I know you hate this, so let me know when it's good yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah, you make it a collab yes. is, is the note we're giving you here. Okay, okay, I'm pleased with that. Right, next one from Distinguished Lord One-Armed Freddy. My dilemma is thus. My nine-year-old daughter has been invited to a sleepover party next week with a girl she goes to brownies with. She hasn't known the girl very long, but they get on well. The girl's mum invited her via Facebook message. I honour tradition and asked what the girl would like as a present. The mother followed protocol and said that a gift really wasn't necessary, even though we all know that if I sent my daughter without one, they'd bring it up, horrified, at dinner parties for decades. She then deviated from the script saying, if you do want to bring one, girl's name redacted, likes anything that isn't unicorns. Now, this is either a typo and she likes everything that is unicorns or it's a very specific aversion and I must avoid unicorns at all cost. What happened to the last person that bought her something unicorn? It's not worth the risk. Needless to say, I don't know what to do now. I asked friends for advice and one said, copy and paste this. Just to double check, you did mean that she dislikes unicorns, right? Which obviously is completely impossible to say. I need help. I don't have the mother as a friend on Facebook, so I can't investigate her past history to see if her post history to see if I can find any pictures of the girl with unicorns. My daughter doesn't know either. Apparently, unicorns haven't come up in conversation. We only moved in 10 months ago and I don't want to leave, but I can't think of an alternative. What about some kind of Pegasus? Pegasus. Like a winged horse. It doesn't have the horns, so it's not technically a a, a unicorn. (laughs) But but it might. So be if enough. somebody has an aversion to unicorns, they should be fine with a Pegasus. But if they really like unicorns, mm. you've 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 gone very close. <laughs> Do you think there are many Pegasus toys out there? I'm just worried about that. That's not, that's not your problem. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you've given the idea; it's up to him to find it or make it. You can make a Pegasus. Well, make a Pegasus, mm, yeah. Mm. It's a bit weird, anything that isn't unicorns. That does feel weird. Yes, that does feel weird, doesn't it? She likes anything. 
But then it would be weird to Did say. Did you just whisper? Yeah, because I was trying. I was trying to go through it in my mind. So let's say the girl's name Betty. It's not Betty. It'd be weird to write. Say say that she, it was a typo. It'd be weird to write this. If you do bring one, Betty likes anything that is unicorns. That's a weird sentence. Yes, but the trouble is, and this is where some real, you know, top top level uh, driftiness comes into play. Mm. You don't want to make the other person feel like they are a poor email writer. Mm. Mm. Like you're in somehow criticize it, somehow criticizing their ability to communicate clearly. I think if you can't get a Pegasus. I would err on the side of caution and just get something non-unicorn and then, like, the mother's not going to go, I said to you, get something unicorn. Like, it's not like there's going to be that reaction. They just get them a nice present. Can't have, she can't have everything with unicorns on it. No, why don't you just fob it off on your daughter? Fob what on? The, the present choosing. I was, yes, yes. Pick something and then she'll pick something like. weird or something that she likes. And, and then it's and, her fault. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah. Okay, I think we've covered everything there. That will do. That will do. Good. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic, or if you have a story for us of social ineptitude, of uh, an extrovert friend who just doesn't understand your driftily ways, uh, ascribing human characteristics to inanimate objects. It's just a few of the things we've been talking about recently. You can email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took our photos and Kim Rainey designed our artwork. And I just want to finish this week by, uh, by, by saying um, if Sarah is listening, I will get this loft sorted in, in the next few days. Now, podication time, and um, something very surprising has happened, Annabelle. Very surprising. I never thought this day would come, and it's come. This, this is the last podication in the Bulldog clip. It is. What it's I don't empty. understand is, is how we've gone from um, just what seems like a few weeks ago, having people waiting two years for podication <laughs> to there being none left. Well, I don't want it sort of put it out there in front of you so in black and white but it seems a bit like a lot of people sent in podications two years ago and no one has since ah mm. yes i see Mm-mm. i think probably people started to realize well a terrible backlog i'm not waiting two years and they stopped sending them but start sending them again because you could have one next week if you wanted it you don't think this is just a conversation we have every week and no one listens to it, do you? Well, for the past two years, a slight worry. So quite often when I reply saying, oh, sorry, it was so late, but we did it this week, I quite often don't get anything back. <laughs> 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 like, not only they're not listening more, but they blocked our email address. I don't oh, know. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. Well, um, 
This uh, this is this is um, slightly worrying. I guess people still write in for Quandary Corner yeah. and, and, and send in stories. Yes, so. yeah, they do. No, there's still people there. Don't worry. Well, let's see what happens. Um, I'll say um, now is your time if you want a publication. Then get them in. Definitely. Do it now. Hello to driftpodcast.com. Um, and this one comes from, I mean, if this is the last ever one, who better? Because it is our friend Declan Moody who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. Hi. Hope you're both doing well. Not sure if this is more of a general email or podication, probably the former. Uh, but if you're low on the latter, then feel free to use it. Well, we very much are, as I just discussed. Here we go. I admit I've been meaning to write this for a while, though I do feel... Uh, that I wouldn't quite fit the mould of a drifter if I uh, if I did things at the moment um, as I meant to do them. Jeff may have a bit of interest in this one, but in a month I will be moving to your old neck of the woods up in Manchester. Um, or at least that's what I was going to say. But as I said, inherent idleness took over and I actually moved up here two months ago. I had planned to ask what places are good or were good, what restaurants or bars had a good reputation. Uh, I know you don't drink, but you may have some knowledge of respected outlets, as well as anything else to try. I've got some answers now, but I feel I haven't explored as much as I still need to, so any recommendations are always welcome. Well, I'm guessing you would have been to Mackie Mare, which is the nice um, food hall in the Northern Quarter. The Lassa Gowrie was a great pub back in the day that I used to like. Um, Duke's 92... On a summer's day by the canal, that's a perennial. Um, where else is good? Bundabust, if you like Indian food on Piccadilly. Also, um, oh God, what's that great one called? There's it's completely, oh, uh, Tiffin Room, Indian Tiffin Room or something like that. That's great. Um, those are just off the top of my head, Annabelle. Mm, great. There's, uh, sure, it'd be helpful. There's, there's lots. Um a lot of the places I used to go have, have subsequently been demolished because, mm. uh, you know, it was a while. But I, I'm up from time to time. I'll, I'll have a think, Declan. Um, and then I'll forget to do anything about it, but I will have a think. Um, Declan says, the reason I moved up here is because about nine months ago, I started semi-seeing someone. And when they sold their business in London, a flat became available up here to stay while they sorted themselves out. For a few reasons, a new start as much as anything else, I made the move and decided to come up as well. A change I thought might be good or needed. And uh, I now live in the sometimes sunny Presswich. Very nice. I figured that it was time I tried somewhere other than London and my uni town. And it's also good for media opportunities nearby. It certainly is. Um, overall, it's not been bad so far, although I still don't know many people up here. Things can uh, can still get a bit iffy, especially as working from home can get a bit much or little after a while. I know, I know it's r- rough for people. He says, though, I do know a couple of people and know the people who run the bar downstairs. Uh, everyone's friendly, as you probably know, and there are some nice walks around here. I was never really married to London, and it seems like a smaller, more manageable place where you can actually take in a decent amount of the centre in one day. I possibly do prefer it, but it's hard to say yet. Mm. Summer feels like April here. Well, that's true. Um, Well, it's not always true. The thing about the rain is a bit of a a cliché with a germ of truth to Mm. it, although I don't think it's backed up in the rainfall statistics. Oh, there's so many great places, Declan. You're going to love it. Um... You want to get down to Didsbury? I know it's the wrong side of town for you, but Didsbury and Chalton have some great places. Heaton Moor in Stockport, where I used to live, is very nice these days. So much that northern quarters, lots going on there and beyond, actually, in Ancoats, which used to be dead rough uh, when I still lived there. 
But oh, there's a really nice um, Icelandic coffee shop called Tack in the Northern Quarter. They might have opened one on Oxford Road as well, but the one on uh, in the Northern Quarter is good. All those places around Tib Street are great. I'm just naming places now, which I appreciate. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little bit boring for people, but I hope that's given you some thoughts. There we go. Latest edition of the podcast, podicated to our old pal Declan Moody. Um, if I read that a bit weird, Annabelle did a bit of last-minute editing on it because we only just realised we'd run out of podications and you found that one lurking somewhere, didn't you? Mm, did, yeah. Um, you didn't read it weird, weirdly. Oh, I thought I thought there was something that I um, that didn't make any sense, but I'm sure it did. It must have been me. Um, it will be me and not Declan. No, it, it was me. You it was me. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the blame. Right. So, so Declan, good to hear from you. Enjoy Manchester. Write again. Let us know how it's going. Um, and uh, and ask more questions, ask follow up questions on places, and give you more detail with more notice. And um, and if you'd like a publication, we need them. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, pressing stop.